Uh, we're not there this morning. We're taking a break for Mother's Day. So if you would, if you have a Bible, please open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. If you did not bring a Bible this morning, that's okay. Thankfully, because of technology, it'll be up here behind me or it'll be on the screens around you. So take a look at that. Follow along as I read. Uh, this is what God's Word says. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. My mom worked in the factory, so she left at 6.30 in the morning. But before my mom left, this is a, another world, okay, she cooked homemade biscuits. They weren't frozen. If you know anything about cooking, baking, that takes time. She fried bacon. She scrambled eggs. And during the winter, she made hot cocoa from scratch. And then she left and went to work, worked eight hours and came back, finished cooking dinner that had been started by my sister, and then she washed and pressed clothes until nine or ten o'clock at night. There were eight kids. We grew up loving mother, but we didn't appreciate her like we should have. I want us today to appreciate our moms. If you would, Mom... I want you to stand. I want to pray for you right now. Dear Mother, please stand up. You know, our culture so doesn't recognize the importance of the mother and the role that they play. And I want to pray for you. Our Father, we, we come to you today. We thank you so much for mothers. Our Father, for the joy that fills our souls as we think of them. Father, it's, it's a hard job, sometimes not appreciated, sometimes not appreciated enough, but we thank you for them. Oh, Father, we ask that you would bless them, Father, that you would encourage them, Father, that you would strengthen them, Father, that you would give them boldness, Father, to be the mom that you want them to be and that they want to be. Give them grace and give them wisdom. Oh, Father, again, we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Okay, thanks, moms. Thanks so much. Well, a writer for Reader's Digest imagined the mothers of these well-known sons making the following comments. Mrs. Morse, Sam, stop tapping your fingers on the table. It's driving me crazy. But Mrs. Lindbergh, Charles, can't you do anything by yourself? Mrs. Washington, George never did have a head for money. Mrs. Armstrong, Neil has no more business taking flying lessons than a man on the moon. Moms, mother, their teachers, they're disciplinarians, they're cleaning ladies, 
Some mothers are gardeners and mowers of lawns. Most mothers understand that baking cookies is far more important than washing windows. Mothers are nurses and doctors. They're counselors and chauffeurs. They are coaches. They're developers of personalities, molders of uh, vocabulary. They are shapers of attitudes. Mothers are tender voice in our lives saying, I love you. Mothers are that link to God, the child's first impression of his love. Mothers have great influence in our lives. And I think one of the greatest blessings is to have a godly mother. And if you're a mother, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your child is to be a godly mother. This world places far more value on careers than being at home. If you're able to stay home with your children when they're small, I encourage it. But I understand also that the cost of living keeps going up and up and up. And the number of jobs that are available that pay well are going down, down, down. And so it seems like these days that for families to survive, that they have to both work. But what I love is I love seeing how parents are able to do non-traditional type things where they are involved in their children's lives. Anytime we talk about moms or dads, uh, I want to acknowledge that the subject can be painful up front. Uh, for various different reasons. As we think about moms, I know that there's millions of mom, or rather, of single people who long to be a mom, but who can't. I, I'm, I'm so aware. Um, sometimes they feel, feel like culture sees them as second rate. And I want you to know today, if you're single, you're very, very valuable, extremely valuable. And we thank God for you. And I, I can think in my own lives of, of people who have been single who impacted my life in a tremendous way. Then there are single moms. And boy, there's a special grace from God for them as they seek to handle the situation at home by themselves. Sometimes there are married women who cannot have children, and we acknowledge that. And for some reason, some moms just choose not to have them. Um, some women just choose not to have children. I'm sure today that there may be one or two of us who have lost our mom recently, still mourning and hurting. But because motherhood is so very, very, very important, I want to acknowledge the importance of godly mothers by looking at the influence of two women, a godly mother and a godly grandmother of a well-known young man named Timothy. We learn of Timothy's faith that came through his grandmother and his mother. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Through those years of, of godly influence, by Timothy's mother and grandmother that prepared Timothy later on for ministry. We'll see that Timothy knew scriptures. 
he had a good religious education. I, I doubt if he went to a Christian school. He wasn't taught this by his priest or his pastor, I don't think. We see from this passage that grandma and mom impacted him. And as Paul affectionately thought about Timothy and his faith, he was reminded of this faith that first lived out in his grandma and then his mom. You see, Eunice and Lois had genuine faith. They had a genuine faith. And that's the first principle this morning. Mothers must have a genuine faith in order to pass on that faith. Again, the New Living Translation says, I remember, this is Paul talking to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith. Your genuine faith. For you share that faith with your grandmom and your mom. We see in Acts 16, chapter, verses 1 through 3, that Timothy was well respected. It says, there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was Greek. And Timothy was, was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on the journey. Mom and grandmom had done such a great job in raising up Timothy that when Paul saw him, he wanted him to join in with the ministry. Undoubtedly, Timothy's father was a Greek unbeliever. And we know what Scripture says. We know what the Old Testament said for the Jewish people. They were not to marry a pagan. The Old Testament was very clear, but maybe Eunice for some time period was rebellious and got married, then back, came back to faith. We, I don't know. We can only speculate. We know today in the New Testament that God's Word is very clear that a believer is to not marry a non-believer. But I think Eunice's story should give us hope, should give hope to women who maybe have married a non-believer if her son, Timothy, could go up and to follow the Lord and be used by men in such a powerful way, then God can do the same thing with children today who are in a home where only one is a believer. And while God intends for the father to take the lead in the spiritual training of the children, we have to acknowledge that moms often do far more than dads. They can have tremendous influence in their lives, especially if the father is passive or if the father is hostile toward God. I know personally of several homes where the father is either lukewarm in his faith or is not a believer, and but the mom is strong. And I've seen in those homes the children grow up to love God, to live for Him. It's because that mom or that dad who is a single believer have been committed to train them up to love the Lord. And today I want to caution us as we look at this passage that the idea of we live for God, that our kids are necessarily going to grow up and love God. This is a general principle and not a guarantee by any means. And I know of so many couples who love God Yet the children chose not to follow the Lord. I think of two couples in particular. I think of 
when Chris and I were going to Southeastern Bible College in Birmingham, Dr. Gannett and Mrs. Gannett were this beautiful couple. They loved the Lord. They were filled with laughter. They sacrificed. He was president of the, the Bible College, and um, yet he had a son who did not know Christ and, as a matter of fact, rebelled against God. He had one son who was a pastor in Birmingham, moved on to Canada, and then he came back to God's country there in Birmingham again and pastored. Had a daughter who went off to, to seminary and got her degree and worked for publishing houses and but came back to Southeastern and is now um, a department head at Bible College. But the neat thing is we think about God and and how he works in our lives. This young man who first was so rebellious, he later on came to Christ. And what I loved was a couple of years ago, he sat on the board of Southeastern Bible College as a board member. We never know what God is doing. We never know what he's doing with that rebellious son or daughter that's in our lives. And I'm sure we're all so familiar with Jim and Carol Symbol at Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. During her teen years, their daughter Chrissy chose to live a life apart from church and from Christ, turned to drugs and just to, you know, just far from the Lord. But she returned to the church as the church family prayed for her. I think she was 2021 20, when she came back to Christ. Of course, her husband is lead pastor at Chicago Tabernacle Church right here in, in the area. So we may not see what the Spirit of God is doing in our children, but he is able. He is able to bring our kids to himself. And we always remember they have a choice. They have a choice, and they will be held accountable. Well, 2 Timothy 1.5 says that Lois and Eunice had a sincere faith, uh, uh, as a, a genuine faith. It was not hypocritical. It was possible to have, to, to claim to have a faith in the Lord, but not actually have an authentic faith. Uh, a false faith is a mask that people can put on as they walk into church. Uh, I hear stories of moms and dads who are arguing and fighting almost continually until they get to church, and then they put on this mask and they all smiles that's not true we know that kids can smell phoniness a mile away I've experienced that situation in knowing a man that that I, I grew up with I thought he knew the Lord as a matter of fact he came to me and as I was struggling with what to do in my own life and shared that he had put his faith in Christ and then I found out that over the years he was unfaithful to his wife. He lived a double life. He got involved in drugs and continually he'll go to church, then he'll stop. He lost his job because of drugs. He lost his wife. He lost his adult children. He lost his beautiful home. He lost so much. But today, 
if you were taught with him, he would tell you that he has a faith in the Lord. I was talking to this guy's daughter not too long ago, and as I talked with her, I could just see the hurt in this woman's face, just as she was sharing with me, um, describing her life the last few years without her father. And then she shared with me what it's like growing up with her father. This is a man who went to church every Sunday that he could when he wasn't working. He would get angry. He would throw dishes at people. Or he would throw dishes at the wall. Or he would get angry and he would hit the wall and with his fist and break the drywall. He yelled and screamed at the umpires at ball games when his son played. Sometimes he would climb fences to get at the referees. He knew any of this. Well, the daughter shared how embarrassing it was and how painful it was for her and, and for her brother. Her brother could do nothing right. If he struck out playing baseball, his dad was all over him. He yelled at him for anything. Continued to put him down. Today, the son, who was an excellent athlete, had scholarships for football and baseball, I think, is a perfectionist. This man, this father, his faith was never real. It's not real now. Today, he lives in such a way that nothing points toward him having a genuine faith. His children certainly think that he's not a believer. So our faith must be real. Not perfect. Not perfect. We all fail. We all miss the boat. But our kids need to know that despite our failures, that we love God and we're consistently seeking to follow Him. So that first principle today is godly mothers must be women of genuine faith. Genuine faith. And secondly, they must seek to pass on their faith to their children. Again, hypocritical faith can't be passed on. But genuine faith is contagious. Timothy's faith can be traced back because he saw Christ in his mom and his grandma. You may ask, well, Pastor Ralph, how do you pass on your faith to your children? Good question. If you can think about a relay race where you have sets of runners racing against others and they run, and then they have the baton, and they pass it off to the next person. We want to do the same thing, don't we, with our faith. We want to pass that baton of faith on to our children. And godly mothers need to have a deep love for God's Word, a reverence for it, to train up the kids in faith. Again, Second Timothy 3, 13. 13, 14, 15 says, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you believed, from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The New Living Translation says, Paul says, 
You know those whom you have learned it from. You know. And that word from whom is plural. It points back to both Eunice and Lois and, of course, to Paul. Paul lived in such a way that Timothy saw that. Lois and Eunice lived authentic lives. Then in turn, he could see the impact of their faith. A quick side note. Parents should definitely be the key people, the main ones who are teaching their children God's Word. But we should pray for godly mentors throughout our lives in the same way that Paul was a mentor to Timothy. Don't be jealous. Have you ever seen people who are jealous of someone who was involved in their children's life? Don't be jealous. Don't think that you're the only one who can influence because you're not. Pray for godly Sunday school teachers. Pray for godly VBS workers. Pray for godly men and women who will influence your life. Neither my mother nor father were believers. My mom lived in, she, she sought to live by biblical principles, and she was a sweet, sweet lady. My father was somewhat an, uh, antagonistic toward the Lord and toward the Word. But from early years on my own, I would go to church. I would go to vacation Bible school. And, and, and just knowing God, I go off to university. And what does God do? He places a man affectionately named Dean Homer, who was vice president, whom I worked with. Godly man, like a second father to me. I couldn't escape from people giving me the word. Pray. As you raise your children, that God would place in the lives of your children people who love God. So very important. In order to grow up loving God and serving Him, our children need to know the Word. God's Word is powerful to save, but also to sanctify us. And the best thing that you can do for your children is to instill in them the need to study and to know to memorize and to obey God's Word. Again, how does a mom do that? Or a dad, too, as far as that goes. Again, I go back, personal relationship. Personal relationship that is very real, is important. Secondly, a mom must use the Word of God to lead her child to Christ and then train that believer in the Word. If our kids don't see us in God's Word, they're not going to think it's important. If the TV is on every night and the Bible is never opened up, they're going to know what's important. Our kids need to see the evidence of our love for the Lord. It's so important, I think, that we read to our kids, beginning when they're small, little toddlers, the Word of God. There's so many good Bibles and Bible stories for, for kids. Uh, you haven't got to start them off in Ephesians or Romans. You know, you can tell these stories um, by that. And, and, and when they're toddlers, they're able to understand. I still remember reading Bible stories to Zach and Jared. Admittedly, sometimes it was hard to slow Jared down. Oftentimes, we had carpet in our house then, and we'd find Jared just slowing out on the floor, just flat down. He would go and go and go. Sometimes, we'd see him leaning over. His feet would still be on 
the floor, but his body, he just run to the end of the house and just flop over on a chair. But still, in spite of all that, we taught him, we gave him God's word. I remember Zachary, as we was growing up, his favorite story was David and Goliath. This is a story, you know, that had the pictures. And, and sometimes Zach and Jerry both would they'd want to hear the stories over and over. And I was getting tired. So I'd try to skip a few pages. But they knew the words that went with those pictures, and they knew that we skipped. Dad, you missed a page. You missed a page. Teach your kids from the very beginning, about God and who He is. Uh, too often I hear people say that they're not going to push their beliefs on their children, but let them decide when they grow up and make their own decision. It's interesting that these same people will push their sons and daughters towards certain sports. They'll push their kids in certain activities. I even hear about parents telling the kids where they can go to college. Not teaching your child, letting them decide is bad. Godly mother will use the Word of God to lead her children to faith in Jesus Christ. Second Timothy 3.15 says that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ. Children, our children need far more than to know that Jesus is their friend. They need to know far more than that Jesus loves you. They need to know what God's Word says about their hearts and that they are rebellious and disobedient toward God. And sure, there are right ways to say that. I'm, I still think back to when Chris was teaching at Inner City Impact and she had these little first, second, and third graders. I was amazed at how she could give the gospel to these little kids in ways that I never thought. And it was so very clear. But they need to know that they're sinners and they need a Savior. They need to know that, yes, that God is loving, but He's also holy and just. And that he will bring punishment on those who not put, turn from the sins and put their faith and trust in Christ. They need to know that what Christ did on the cross, dying is our substitute, in order that we might live by faith in Christ. They need to know and need to understand that God forgives our sins, not because of anything good in us, but because of his kindness, not because of our works. They need to know what saving faith is, as opposed to an empty profession that does not result in salvation. As you read the Bible to your kids, they'll learn about people who turn from their sin to God and were saved. And they'll learn and hear of others who made wrong choices, who loved their sin more than God, and whose lives were ruined. They'll hear stories of children whose parents were godly. They were godly. But the children did not follow God. 
they will hear stories of children whose parents were ungodly. But these children chose to follow Christ. They need to learn that each person is accountable before God. But as you read the Word to them, as you teach them what God's Word says, pray, pray that God will convict your child of their need for a Savior and that they will see their desperate need and put their faith in Christ. And we shouldn't assume that Sometimes, I think it's so easy, and I found this out in, even with junior hires at Inner City Impact. Our kids will do whatever we ask them to do. If we say, pray a prayer, they'll pray a prayer, right? I can't tell you how many people I led to Christ in junior high that never really put their faith in Christ. They prayed a prayer. We have to be careful as we do that. But look for evidence. A genuine conversion. Is he or she sorry about their sin and sensitive to God? Does she show a growing love for God and for his word? Does he want to talk about things of God? Does she want to please God with her life? I just believe that easy believism is a major danger today for the evangelical church. For Charles Spurgeon whom I think most of us know, a great preacher in England. In his autobiography, he describes the guilt he felt for five years. For five years, from age 10 to 15. He says, for five years as a child, there was nothing before my eyes but my guilt. Because he was a pastor's son, he said, no one might have seen my actions as being all that horrible. He said, but every day I committed sin, so much so that I wished I had not been born. But you see the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life. Spurgeon tells how every Sunday evening his mom would explain the scriptures to them and plead with them to think about the condition of their souls and to seek the Lord. He remembers her praying one, one time, Lord, if my children do not, uh, if my children go on in their sins, it would not be from ignorance that they perish. And my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they do not lay hold of Christ. Spurgeon says that thought of his mom witnessing against him caused him to put his faith in Christ. Once Spurgeon's father came home from a, to a quiet house except for a voice behind the bedroom door of his wife and himself. And he heard her pleading intensely in prayer to God for the salvation of her children and especially for that strong-willed firstborn, Charles. We see the impact of a godly mother. Mothers have tremendous influence as they pray for the children, as they teach God's Word, as they lead their child to faith in Jesus Christ. But leading them to Christ is not the end. They in turn must train them up. Again, God's Word is powerful to save us, but also is sufficient to help us grow. Second Timothy 3.16 says it teaches us the way of God. It teaches us 
how to live for God. It reveals our very thoughts and intentions of our heart, Hebrews 4. It reproves us or it convicts us of our sin. It convinces us of our wrongs. It trains us in righteousness, showing us the path of obedience. I love how Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 in the New Living Translation it describes what God's Word does in our lives. Listen to this. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful, useful to teach us what is true. God's Word teaches our children what is true. No matter what they hear in school, they hear in school um, everything but the truth regarding spiritual issues, usually. But God's Word teaches us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. God's Word is powerful. Now, kids need to be hearing it and be learning it. The Word is given to show us how to live and to correct us, to keep us on that path toward being the holy person that God wants us to be. Now, kids need to see in us, even though we will be imperfect as parents, they need to see us applying God's Word to our lives. Godly mothers have such an influence, such a powerful impact. And we see clearly here today from the life of, of Timothy, Lois and Eunice's impact on him. There's no question that Paul had a tremendous impact on his life. But we know the foundation was established by his mom and grandma. So what impact, what impact will you have on your children? What impact will I have on my children? Could your child be another Paul or Timothy? How would God want to use your children? He desires very much for us to impact their lives through the world. Maybe today if you're a mother and you're, you, you feel like a failure, remember this God's grace. As someone said, God always honors repentance. He always honors repentance. Turn back to Him and confess those failures. Start obeying Him. You may need to go to your kids and ask them for forgiveness for failing to be an example of godliness. And so do that. You may need to go to your kids and ask for forgiveness for not teaching them the Word. It's okay. Do that. Remember God's grace. Remember God's grace. He's able to work in the midst of us. Yes, we will fail at times. We will fail miserably probably at times. But there's God's grace. His grace is more than able to give us spring to do the things that he's called us to do. Bless boy.
Our Father in heaven, we thank you 